Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. This week, we'll be taking you on a journey, again, to a paradise. But this time, not paradise loss. We're going to paradise, spelled P-A-R-D-I-C-E. Such a good segue. <laughs> what the hell? We're taking you to Margaret Atwood's Orcs and Crake. Oh my gosh. But first, we have a peer review. Ah, I was so ready. You were in it. You were in it to win it. I was in it to win it. You pushed it to the limit. Yeah. So this peer review is from Ethan about Paradise Lost, which we read last week. We did. This peer review ruined my life. Oh, that's bad. Okay. Buckle in, sweetheart. Ethan pointed out that Sin's bottom half was the bottom half of a snake. But this description was given to us before the snake's legs were taken away. So she has the bottom half of a snake with legs. So she's bottom half lizard. <laughs> my disappointment is immeasurable and my day is ruined. Well, that makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it? I mean, it does. But I was kind of picturing like Ross from Monsters Incorporated a little bit. I know she's a slug, but like mm. slugs are kind of like snakes if you don't look at them too hard. They're just snakes, but more slimy. Yeah, they're like slimy snakes. Comparatively to the non-slimy snakes. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that. Thanks, Ethan, for... Uh... Thanks a lot, Ethan. <laughs> Sometimes your peer review send us into turmoil. <laughs> but yeah, this week... We're finally delving into Canadian literature. So exciting. We got there eventually. We got there eventually. And also this author is still alive. <laughs> Maybe I should tag her Oof. when we release this episode. At Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood's a Canadian gem. If you don't like her, you become legally stateless like Tom Hanks in the terminal. <laughs> so how are you doing, Amy? Um, so this was actually my pick this week. Like you didn't even have to bring it up. I brought it up myself. You did on purpose. On purpose. And... Like, I'm okay with Margaret Atwood. If you hear this, Margaret, you're great. Sometimes I just have issues with the stuff you talk about in your books because they give me anxiety. That's not a reflection <laughs> of you as a person. Or a writer. Her writing's like, it slaps. Yeah, I know. She's a really great writer. But it's just like, you know, the anxiety. And y'all, if you get like anxiety, especially around pandemic themes, close the Spotify app. Like just... Maybe this is not the book for you. Yeah. In the same vein as Station Eleven. Yeah. If you stay for the recap and at any point you feel like, woof. Not gonna read this. You can just skip forward. Just move on with your life, you know? We'll be here again in two weeks. So Oryx and Crake uh, was written 2001 to 2003. It was written during big turmoil in the United States, even though she's Canadian, beside the point. So it opens with this guy named Snowman, who's our narrator, our protagonist right now. Always a rad name. A super rad name. A name of someone who really likes winter or really likes cocaine. In this case, it might have been more cocaine. And he wakes up and he sees like these people that he's living with called the Children of Crake, also known as the Crakers, who are like this genetically modified humanoid. They're like these perfect little humans who could do no wrong. They have like intense innocence and they're vegetarians and they won't hurt anything, right? Except the fact that they have regular orgies. Only every three years. Only every three years? Is that true? Yeah, they only reproduce every three years. They swing around their blue phalluses every three years? Every three years. Hmm. He describes it more than that implies. He describes it once. 
but it's it's only every three years and the reason i think why it's so shocking to you is that because it's it's four crakers with penises and one craker without a penis yes reproducing and there's no idea of like coupledom i think in crake land no definitely not so i think that's the jarring image that probably makes you think that it happens a lot more than it does because it happens every three years they really encompass the like it takes a village to raise a child because there are no couples well they they Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. You know, they were genetically modified to go back to that hunter-gatherer style. Cute. You know, the fall of humanity started when we started agriculture. Anyways, read the book, guys. Or don't. <laughs> There's a lot of nuances here. Um, So Snowman has these Quakers and he's trying to take care of them and whatever. But eventually he figures out, like, he needs sustenance and actual food. So he leaves to go to see Crake, who they see as, like, their god type thing and get you know knowledge from him or whatever so in his his leaving snowman tells us the story of this guy named jimmy the world that this story takes place is a future time from us um and people live in compounds that are attached to their workplaces okay jimmy's parents were geneticists and microbiologists and that kind of stuff um and they lived in this compound that was basically suburbia and jimmy was like you know average at school and uh his dad was really into making these like pigs that could regrow kidneys for humans and his mom used to be a microbiologist but eventually she quit her job and became super depressed and eventually left the family because she couldn't put up with the um genetic modifications that were going on in the labs and took his pet rakunk to release it into the wild yeah which was well-intentioned but it definitely died because it had only ever been domestic yeah so raccoons are raccoons and skunks i really want one (laughs) but you can't have one because that's basically the entire moral of the story that's the entire moral of the story but also imagine how cute that would be okay beside the point (laughs) um i think there's like a pokemon that kind of looks like a rankunk yes yes i know exactly which one you're talking about gotta catch them all tm don't tm it we don't have money (laughs) this episode was brought to you by pokemon and nintendo no it wasn't no it wasn't we wish my gosh add pokemon and nintendo please sponsor us (laughs) so yes jimmy lives in this compound his mom leaves him he's really depressed blah 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 he meets this guy named glenn who we also know as craig um so craig is actually like an online persona for glenn for this game that's essentially plague inc anyways beside the point uh actually very important isn't the point don't forget this part um (laughs) (laughs) heavy-handed foreshadowing you know jimmy and craig are like bffs um and they do a bunch of stuff together they watch execution and child pornography it's really weird that part really threw me off you know like typical teen stuff it made me feel really icky but when they're seeing these graphic images uh they saw this little girl and like she looked directly at the camera that she was being filmed with and it kind of like imprinted on both of them in uh, different ways, but both negatively, I would say. I mean, yeah, not good. Not good. So eventually they go off to university. Craig is really smart, good at math, science, whatever. He goes to like, you know, the MIT equivalent, you know? A super well-funded bioengineering program. Yeah, like bougie math nonsense, you know, and our poor Jimmy, much like us, went to a liberal arts school um, <laughs> that was not super greatly funded. This like crap rundown down humanities campus where he's studying marketing uh, yeah it, it's called problematics i think 
Is that what it's called? No, you're right. Okay. So he studies problematics, which is essentially just a fancy way of studying how to do advertising. So he does that and then, you know, they graduate. Well, no. Okay. There's this really important part where um, Jimmy goes to Craig's school to visit and he sees this butterfly and he asks, oh, is this butterfly real or fake? And Craig has this whole like issue with like, what is capital in nature? Like nothing's real. Everything's made up. I hate this guy. This is where you start to get annoyed with Craig. I mean, I don't think we're supposed to be sympathetic to him when he's watching like snuff films no i don't think we're supposed to like craig ever so anyways you know the story goes back to snowman where he is in his various trajectory towards um seeing craig and he stubs his foot on something at some point he raids some houses because the houses are empty he finds some dead bodies because an apocalypse happened so then eventually we go back to jimmy and his story jimmy works for an advertising firm for a while he finds out that his mom is dead in a really gruesome scene where they show him his mom's execution yeah terrible we find out that uh craig's mom died suspicious of a disease that nobody else had same thing happens to craig's uncle later oh geez (laughs) yeah i don't remember this but i think i can figure it out Mm -hmm. so that happens jimmy goes to work for craig and then craig is like let me show you paradise spelled with dice d-i-c-e because we're playing a game of chance here oh my god i didn't get that at all that's so much more clever i thought they were just spelling it weird because they spell everything weird in this book no no this is a real thing so jimmy and craig are, are bffs you know they do things together craig takes jimmy out on a tour in the the plebe lands which are the common folk lands but you know craig's like oh you might catch some diseases so he gives jimmy this like vaccination right vaccinations are cool guys do not let this book talk to you in any shape way or form so he gets vaccinated and stuff and then they come back and they chill out and they do things you know as bros and craig's showing him around he shows them like the labs and whatever and then he's like want to show you paradise itself you know and they go and they see these crakers in their little dome enclosure with all the plants and everything their little biodome this garden of eden Hmm? and jimmy sees who else than the the girl that was in the child pornography that they watched when they were teenagers so messed up and her name is oryx at least that's that's what craig calls her whoa we've got the title of the book we got the title of the book um, so the Krakers see Oryx as the mother of all plants and stuff and all animals. Yeah. So they're they're hyper protective of all the animals that are, you know, around them because if they were to damage them, they would be damaging Oryx and her her wants and stuff. It's really cute. Their their vision of Oryx is really cute. Really cute. In stark contrast to everything else. How everyone else is treating plants and animals. Yeah. So anyways, they have these like conversations like Oryx and Jimmy are like buddy, you know? And she tells him like, I know you like me and that kind of stuff. And they talk about things. And then there's like this weird triple thing going on. There's a lot of jealousy going on with the Jimmy and Crake. And eventually Oryx has to go out and sell these bliss pills, which are like Viagra. But also sterilize people. Surprise. Surprise. And don't tell them. Don't tell them. So it's marketed as giving them youth and longer lasting life and like libido through the roof. But like they don't know that they're being sterilized. Again, please don't infer anything from this book. Medicine is good. So people start getting really, really sick. And there's this like essentially a pandemic that's sweeping through the nations of this world that we're in because everybody took these bliss pills because they were supposed to give them, you know, youth and vitality, youth and vitality, but they're also killing them and it's spreading to everyone. And, you know, Jimmy and Oryx are clearly distraught over this when they hear about it. And uh, Craig is like, eh, yeah, 
we need to do something about the population though so like craig sees himself as like this weird savior complex thing of like i need to save everyone by killing everyone think thanos you know oh yeah yeah one of those just to put you guys in perspective and he like had told jimmy before he was like you know make sure that if anything happens to i or oryx you take care of the krakers right so anyways things are happening and like jimmy's hunkered down in paradise and he's making sure that, like nothing's coming in you know he doesn't want the krakers to get sick or anything right he doesn't want to get sick like this is why we stay at home he's self-quarantining he's self-quarantining into in paradise while everybody else around him is dying and stuff and crake walks up to the door to be like knock knock um let me in because jimmy had changed all the passwords on the door because he was like i can't let people in they're gonna kill me i don't want to die so change your locks guys and he's like no like it's me don't worry like the vaccine i gave you made you like it was an antidote like you won't get sick right so he lets him in and craig has a knife in one hand and oryx on his other arm and he just slashes oryx's throat to which jimmy then shoots craig dead this happens like on the same page it's like there's no like he slits the throat and then like they talk about it craig ducks into the door he's like hi knock knock and then he slashes her throat and then he gets shot yeah there's no like conversation between good or evil here it's just like slash shot dead it's very jarring when you're reading it like that's the part that i remember the most like the jarringness of all that so anyways you know our buddy jimmy just stays in paradise for a couple days drinking away his sorrows because what else would you do if you just shot who you thought your best friend was so he does that and then eventually he realizes he can't stay here you know the crakers are running out of food they're all confused they're wondering where oryx is you know that kind of stuff so jimmy goes into their garden of eden and decides like okay well i need to like get them out of here in order to preserve their life and stuff you know like we can't just let these people die they don't know any better and he goes in he presents himself and he calls himself snowman whoa whoa we didn't see this one coming what a frame narrative he takes them out uh through like no man's land of like everybody's dead more like snowman's land you look disappointed but i know on the inside you're proud like i wanted to make that joke i was getting to that joke and you took it away from me which is where i'm at <laughs> which i'm really mad about so thanks for that i told you i was gonna do the amy one liners because you're doing the summary i'm sitting in different chairs today <laughs> so anyways he's going through snowman's land <laughs> and you know they eventually get to the to the ocean and they make up camp so that's how like the book ends but it's important to note here that during all these trials and tribulations we often flash back to snowman going through the compound to get all his you know resources he needed from the beginning of the book and he makes contact i guess with people like other humans who are still alive he sees smoke signals he gets like two-way radio frequencies from other people asking if anybody's out there he gets radio stuff from russia like clearly there's other humans who survived this plague right so as he gets back to the beach with his infected foot not doing great he gets told by a cracker he named abraham lincoln oh my god that's so funny um he's like oh yeah there, there were other people like you around and he's like wait where and he at the end of the book he has to make the decision of like do i stay with these crackers or do i go see these other humans and whatever and the book ends also it's kind of like do i stay with these crackers and murder those humans over there or do i go with the humans yeah there's like this weird decision he has to make and he can hear like oryx and crake in his brain you know telling them to do their thing what the right thing is depends on the person so that's real fun that's fun yeah there's also a lot of tensions between art and science here the Krakers made an idol to snowman when he was gone because they wanted him to come back because they were worried about him Aww. and Craig had always been very wary of you know the second the Krakers learn about art 
they're doomed. Craig in general is very anti-humanities. Like, yeah, he's anti-humanities. He's a eugenicist, right? So like, he doesn't really have empathy for humans in general. Yeah. And I guess we can delve into like my various tidbits of analysis if you want, unless you have something else you want to say. Sure. What I have is what is the moral of the story? Hmm. What is the moral of the story, Chantel, for you? What is the moral of the story, indeed? <laughs> Do you have an answer? There's a couple things that it could be. Yep. One of them is like, is science going too far? There's like, in the book, they have a branch of science called transgenics, which is mixing DNA from different species. So like the recunks. Yep. The pigoons that his dad was working on. Yep. His dad and his mom, but his mom quit to grow the human kidneys. And then they end up being like really smart because on top of being pigs, which are already pretty smart, like one of the smartest animals, they've got human tissue in them and it makes them think like humans. And then those pigoons end up going after Jimmy as he's making his trek to paradise. Yes. Well, as snowman. Yeah. Snowman. Um, we've got the the luminescent rabbits. Yep. We've got the wolvogs. We've got the bob kittens. There's also like... Like at the beginning, there is like a meat plant that we see and they've grown really weird chickens that don't have any heads but have like four breasts and a bunch of legs. Yeah, they're all meat. Yeah. And Craig and Jimmy's dad are in science and some of the science is like objectively bad, but other science it depends like, the pigoons are objectively bad. Like, they're growing really, really smart pigs that think like humans to murder them for organs. But they don't die. So you can harvest the, the kidneys and the kidneys grow back. I don't know. That's not good either. <laughs> it's like repeatedly stealing someone's kidneys. That's very awful. But then there's other science that's like, it depends. Like, the chicken thing. I don't know what's going on exactly with those chickens. Like, do they have brains where they can think and be like, I have no mouth, but I must scream, that kind of situation? Or are they, like, being kept growing artificially, like, if you grew meat from cells? Like, that's not objectively bad. That's kind of better than the alternative. Right. Then there's the thing of, like, in general, is it warning against humans like exploiting animals because there's a lot of like they're messing with animals and it's bad and I ended up doing my seminar presentation in grade 12 about this I did it on like this book and animal testing Mm. and I played that song from Batty in Fern Gully where he sings about how he was an animal testing subject and it was very sad right but then there's also like the corporations in general are bad like the corporations have the compounds where people live and they're making suburbs and everyone else is like living in pot poverty around them and it's just surrounded by desolation yeah because that's the thing like where um craig and jimmy grow up like they have all these lush lands and whatever but it's all artificial it's all artificially planted there because there's nothing anywhere else yeah it's like they're on the vegas strip and the plebe lands are in nevada yeah i've never been to either of those places no but i know exactly what you mean (laughs) it's like a little strip of city and then the rest is just desert yeah the corporations are maybe like the police I think it's private security, like the Corpse of Corpse is a corporation, but they're also kind of cops. Yeah. And they come after Jimmy and they keep hounding him, like, where's your mom? And he's like, I don't know. I was 10 when she left. And they just barge into his house and like show the execution. Yeah. And they, they execute her and then they show him the video footage of it, which is not good. Not bueno at all. And then Craig's business kills everyone. Yeah. With a dormant virus in his fake bliss plus pills, which were already going to be bad because they were secretly sterilizing people. Yeah. It's like you couldn't just let them sterilize themselves out of existence. You had to also 
to go kill them. Like he just decides he doesn't like where humanity has gone. And he's like, I'm playing the long game. I'm sterilizing everyone secretly. And then he's like, just kidding. I'm playing the very short game. And there's a pandemic right now and everyone dies in three days. Yeah. Craig is not a good guy. So I guess it's like warning against exploitation in general, like exploiting animals, corporations, exploiting people. Yeah. One of Jimmy's girlfriends, like Amanda has roommates. Um, I didn't talk about Amanda because she's a blip in the book, but her roommates, like they, they're the ones who come up with the idea that like humanity was doomed the second we invented agriculture. And Jimmy at the beginning is like, Ugh, that doesn't make any sense. But like, as the novel goes on, you can start to see that might actually have been where it started to go wrong. Because once we had food security, we were able to just have more people, you know, because we had more food. I don't care that we're 7.9 billion people right now. Like we, it's not a great time, but you know, we make do with what we have, right? We can't just start going eradicating people. That's not how this works. Ethics are something that don't exist in this book because they've completely eradicated the humanities. Yeah. We usually roast philosophy, but they're the ones with the ethics. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an interesting moral that the book could have. There's something to be said about like, like be careful who you follow blindly into their ideas, you know, to be critical of other people who seem to have all the power. Yeah, and critical thinking is something that's also in the humanities. Yeah. Congrats, English majors. We made it. We made it, guys. We finally are useful to society. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's something that I think is really important right now. Like the more I, I'm thinking about it, the more that I'm like, Craig could be a really smart Elon Musk. Oh, God, you're so right. He's exactly like that, dude. It's like if Elon Musk had any semblance of scientific knowledge, it would be bad. Mm, this is not good. This is not good at all. But the, the book was good, except for the fact that it's a trilogy. Yeah. Like, it was written as a standalone. And then Margaret Atwood just wrote two more of them. Yeah. Surprise trilogy. <laughs> Margaret, why? I actually read the trilogy and I like it. It doesn't follow Snowman that much. It follows other people mostly. So you don't need to read it if you're reading this book. You have to read Oryx and Crake really to understand the other ones. But do you really? You could just listen to this podcast and then you know all the facts. <laughs> Pretty much. So another thing about Oryx and Crake is that it opens with uh, two epigraphs. The one I want to talk about is the one that comes from Gulliver's Travels. Yes, tell me. So the main thing I want to focus on here is the weird parallels with Gulliver's Travels and especially this like return to, you know, a simpler lifestyle. Let me explain. Hit me with it. I'm not going to spoil Gulliver's Travels and all the things I have to say about it because we will talk about it at another point. However, at the end of Gulliver's Travel, Gulliver goes home and he's not able to reintegrate with his family because he essentially thinks he's a horse. Okay. This makes so much less sense because you're not explaining <laughs> Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. So, okay, Gulliver visits a bunch of, you know, horses. Um, they're called the Huynims. <laughs> and they, they're they sentient horses and they own humans. It's really weird. Anyways. They're human level intelligent horses. Like horses are already sentient. Thanks. So anyways, I wasn't planning to explain that part. So I had to come up with a word and I'm ESL. So deal. But Gulliver, like he's at his house, like after having, you know, dealt with all these, these Wynnums and whatever. And he can't stand the smell of his wife and like the way they eat. So he spends a lot of time in his stables. This whole going back to the agrarian lifestyle after having gone through different, you you know, places that kind of like screw up your vision of humanity kind of thing, you know, because the various places he visits are way out there, you know, kind of like how the things that the corporations were doing were way out there. I think that that same level of like wanting to return to a simpler lifestyle is embedded within Oryx and Crake, the novel. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone does by force. And that's what Crake wants. 
because he decides that like humanity's gone too far but it's like you're part of that problem like the problem is evil corporations doing really awful bad science things and that's currently what you're doing as we speak yeah like you could just be part of the solution instead of killing everybody yeah but no he decides not to do that and start fresh with blue phallus human mutations yeah so that's fun. <laughs> I want to bring in that aspect because I have a lot of feelings about what happens to Gulliver when he goes back. Which I'm jazzed for. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I don't want to ruin it right away. So I just wanted to bring up the fact that it's one of the epigraphs and I think it's important. What's the other epigraph? Oh, what is the other epigraph? I didn't care. <laughs> right. So the actual epigraph is, you know, in the passage, Jonathan Swift, author of Gulliver's Travels, tells his readers like, you know, that he's not going to astonish his readers with strange and probable tales, but rather rather relate his story in the simplest manner and style which you know also brings about the fact that snowman doesn't over embellish the story that he's saying i think you know yeah it's very much a facts based type of storytelling which i quite enjoyed the second one is from virginia wolf and at some point we will talk about virginia wolf if we must <laughs> we will mrs dalloway cannot be forgotten and the epigraph is from to the lighthouse and essentially talks about you know how to navigate through the dangerous ways of the world so a lot of stuff going on here Yes. Yes. I have nothing else to add because I didn't want to talk about the Virginia Woolf one. Okay. The other interesting part is that um, Oryx and Crake are both named after extinct animals within the novel. The the Oryx and the Crake are, are extinct. They're birds, right? Both of them? Uh, are they both birds? I know that Crake is a bird. Oh, no. Oryx is a type of antelope. Ooh, fun. Yes. I think that comes from when they were playing the plague game. Yes. On their computer, like all the players needed to name themselves after extinct animals. So it's partially that, but like Oryx never played. So what happened is once Crake had paradise, Crake made sure that everybody had a name of an extinct animal and he tried to get Jimmy to have like his old screen name, but Jimmy really hated it. Do you remember what it was? I don't. Um, oh, Thickney. Thickney. A Thickney is it's an animal whose knees are thick <laughs> it seems maybe be a bird okay type of bird all right and he's like no snowman snowman is my extinct animal yeah well the thing is like Craig refused for people to have names that couldn't be like real in some sense like that couldn't self-materialize in, into the world so like you you have to build a snowman right you can't they don't just appear oh because he wanted to go back to the agrarian lifestyle and a snowman is like a man-made so it's emulating technology and it's emulating art mm-hmm. it all comes together doesn't it and Craig hated nothing more than the arts oh that really hurt my arm to do the mind blown because i just got my vaccine but it was worth it because my mind is blown. Yes, but not only on one side. <laughs> so yeah, he tried to give him a name and like Jimmy just wasn't having any of it because he was like, I don't want this name. I have no feelings about it. Also, I think it's cool that his Rankunk was named Killer. Because they're little herbivores. Yeah. They're little scavenger herbivores. Yeah. The raccoons actually sound really cute. So yeah, it's a type of dystopian novel, obviously, uh, where the world's gone to shit because of a devastating disease. And I thought that was interesting prior to the pandemic and now i'm just guard for life so there's that now this is the kind of book that the pandemic people would be like ah eh? well eh? that's the thing the news channels within the book were talking about big conspiracy theories and i'm like oh, jesus christ i'm like this is just this is just happening <laughs> it's just a thing 
you know, pandemics happen and apparently it's big government conspiracies. In this book, it's big corporation conspiracies. Corporate conspiracies, yeah. But like it was talked about as a conspiracy. Wow, that's bananas. That is bananas. I mean, but it was a conspiracy, so they weren't wrong there. They weren't wrong at all. I think this is the kind of book that you can no longer draw too many parallels with real life where it just all falls apart. You can't draw too many parallels or it starts to hurt. Yeah, you really can't. It just stops making sense Yeah, entirely. And also like, okay, so we can talk about how Craig obviously killed his mom right yeah he definitely killed his mom as like an experiment with diseases so his mom died while he was present and like nothing more was made of it she just died of a disease and then when craig is telling jimmy that his uncle died like jimmy asked him like were you with him and craig's like oh in a way and it's like okay he obviously tested the pill disease on him that's so messed up dude there's so many like craig is gonna be a terrible human being craig is a sociopath he actually is or maybe a psychopath because he actually acts on it and kills people i think psychopaths are the ones who to act on it but we don't have psychology degrees <laughs> you can tell because he's watching the stuff films and child pornography and he's like this is a fun activity yeah like he's watching people get executed and he's just like eating his popcorn yeah like uh yeah ugh. no like they're crowded around their desktop like people watching potter puppet pals yeah so like obviously like some teenagers will go and watch porn right fine whatever that happens i'm sure there's a difference but they're not like being maniacal about it you know they're not watching people die no well i hope not that's not a normal thing to do i don't think again we did not do this stuff we watched potter puppet pals I, I was up here watching Good Mythical Morning instead uh, while studying for my physics exams. I was not watching people die. So, yeah. But then again, they live in a different time, different world. Yeah, I still don't think it's no. normal. No. Something about the Krakers, though, that I read in uh, the Sparks note that I thought I would bring up. So, this is straight up from the Sparks note, but I thought it was interesting with our reference to Paradise Lost earlier. The Quaker's exit from Paradise at once echoes and reverses the meaning of the biblical story of Paradise Lost. In the Bible, God expels Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden after disobeying his orders not to eat from the Tree of Knowledge. For this reason, their departure from Paradise is bound with notions of exile and sin. In the case of the children of Crake, however, their departures from Paradise does not represent a form of exile or punishment. In fact, Oryx had taught them about the plants and animals specifically to prepare them for life in the outside world. Oh, and then Jimmy's like, here's some knowledge. Go, be free. And it's not a sin on them. It's a sin on their creator. And it's interesting because Craig is fully playing God. Yeah. The whole time. The entire time. But like... They get out and they're fine. And when so when Jimmy's mom is killed, she tells him like goodbye. Remember, killer, I love you. And like killer, as you mentioned before, was a wild animal that they caged in and wasn't going to be able to live on its own in the outside world. Whereas Oryx did prepare them for the Krakers to be able to live in the outside world. They had to. Like it was bred in captivity, so it was like domestic and it was like not ready at all. You know, like the Krakers, except the Krakers were prepared. Yeah, and they were a community, so that's better. Like one Kraker going out on their own might have not been okay <laughs> when cricker going out on their own would probably be laughed at because of its blue penis <laughs> and they're naked always because it's the garden of eden yeah and they're fine with being naked like they're all like weirded out by the fact that like snowman wears clothes and like as snowman leaves to go see the other humans he only puts on his bald cap <laughs> so there's also that oh my god but i thought that you know the paradise like leaving paradise actually being a good thing huh yeah huh? that's interesting yeah do you have anything else to add yeah okay i would like to talk about this book in defense of sci-fi okay i didn't think we had to defend sci-fi but keep going okay 
So Oryx and Crake is Margaret Atwood's purest work of science fiction, I think. Yes. At the time that she wrote it, she was still doing that thing that she did where she was like, oh, I don't write science fiction. I write speculative fiction because, and I quote, speculative fiction encompasses that which we could actually do. Sci-fi is that which we're probably not going to see. She didn't see like different branches of sci-fi. She was like, okay, there's sci-fi, which is like cheesy space operas. And then there's me, who's literary. Right. Which is like kind of a crappy way to treat genre fiction because genre fiction can be very literary. It's very gatekeepy, Margaret. Yeah. Um, She's turned over a new leaf on that. There was an interview I found about the Handmaid's Tale TV series. Right. Which again, spoopy spoopy people were coming after her and being like you are a prophet you foresaw the future you know except she was like i'm not a prophet in science fiction it's always about now there are many possibilities but we do not know which one we are going to have. So it's like science fiction, speculative fiction writers look at the problems that are currently happening and they're like, what's the like most extreme bad thing that could come of this? And unfortunately, most of them have happened, which is why we keep having like looking back and saying, oh, maybe those sci-fi writers were prophets. Yeah, when it's really, it's just they were like, we weren't ready for the SARS outbreak. Imagine what's gonna happen if we have another or if the SARS outbreak got worse, and then we have Station Eleven. Yeah, Ray Bradbury was like, hey, people are doing really weird stuff with technology. What if we had a talking house that made your coffee for you and played you music? And then we got There Will Come Soft Rains. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, I think that's it for us. Do you have a rating system for me? I do. On a scale of 1 to 10 raconks, what would you rate this? Oh, I actually really liked this book when I read it. When I read it, I would have probably given it 10 out of 10 raconks. Now, in the current context, I can see how it would be a bad supporting argument for conspiracy theories. So I'm going to drop it down to a 9 out of 10 raconks, which is still a lot of raconks. Like if you had 9 raconks running around your house, that would be much. That would be many. Many raconks. Many raconks. Um, yeah, no, I agree with this. I think that's a good rating system. I don't... <laughs> so I've lost all my notes from 2016 when I read this, which is very sad. Don't know what happened there. You should keep all your notes from 2016. I don't know what happened to them. They were on my computer and poof, they were no longer there. Tragic. Tragic. Really. So I don't actually remember how I felt about the book, like when I read it. But I distinctly remember being angry when I found out it was a trilogy. Being angry specifically at my prof because he made us read a book that was a trilogy without my knowledge. <laughs> Had I known, I probably would have skipped that reading. Which again, I never do, but like still. Yeah, it's like someone, it's someone like, hey, person who's been living under a rock for the last 30 years, would you like to have a movie night? It's kind of a long movie, but I think you'll like it. And then they show you the first Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, the thing is like in another class I had with this prof, he made us read an entire trilogy so i don't know what happened there yeah i mean the other ones are less literary like they have less mm. to delve into i think less pizzazz yeah interesting but yeah no i i liked it as well i think it's one of the only works of margaret atwood that i've ever read because i didn't read the handmaid's tale so i've read so many margaret atwood books i am obsessed with her and her poetry is really good too i i like everything that she puts into the world i've read some of her poems i think she like she's obviously a treasure for a reason however like a, a national treasure some would say some would say but she hasn't really crossed my desk that often um and i think but the stuff that she writes is probably best because again i have a lot of anxiety so there's that let me see if i can think of anything that you would like by 
by her. You might like, yes, Hagseed. I think you would like Hagseed. It's based on The Tempest. It's got a lot of Shakespeare references. It's not sad, I don't think. Is it a fan fiction? Is it a fan fiction? Like it's about people putting on The Tempest as a play. Ooh, that sounds fun. I think you would enjoy it. I'm for it. She's written several books about prisons lately and that's one of them. Right. But yeah, I think she does write a lot of like dark stuff because... Again, she writes a lot of speculative fiction. Not all speculative fiction, like Cat's Eye and The Robber Bride weren't speculative fiction at all. But yeah, she looks at like, what's the darkest route we could go? What's the darkest timeline? And then she takes that (laughs) and makes it a book. Also, I would like to bring up the fact they are making, well, they were making a TV show of Mad Adam, like the trilogy. However, um, it was developed by HBO and then HBO dropped it and it was developed by paramount and anonymous content and they were going to bring the trilogy to um cable or video on demand but nobody has agreed yet to carry the series which i think is weird considering how well the handmaid's tale has done yeah i think people would really like it i liked it the last update we have on this was in 2018 so i'm guessing that now with the whole pandemic thing they might not want to delve into it right away we might see it in like 2030 maybe but uh still ah that's a good point yeah anyway yeah i think that's it for us today yeah that's it for us today thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode please head over to itunes slash apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review we really appreciate it we love hearing what you think and also it helps other people find us please share this episode with your friends and family and enemies and even strangers on the street that you just find just be like Hey, have you listened to Unsighted, an English lit podcast? It's really good. I really want people to like accost me at my bus station when I eventually take the bus again. Be like, have you listened to this podcast? And I'll be like, yeah, hi, I'm Amy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want to be recognized by people telling me to listen to my own podcast. I mean, that's the dream. That's the dream. (laughs) That's when we've made it. If you have any comments about this episode or ideas for future episodes, you can send us a DM on Twitter or Instagram at UnsightedPod or email us, UnsightedPodcast at Outlook.com. Yeah. And if you don't have any comments, questions, or suggestions, you can send us pictures of your animals and I will post them on the weekend over on Instagram. If you want credit, you can let me know. If you don't want credit, you should also let me know that. (laughs) But this week we uh, posted some kitties from uh, Haunted Hospitality Pod. That was really good. Thank you. We have some spooky kitties over there, so you can go check them out. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in two weeks. And as always, we're excited. Unavailable. We're fine. We're doing great. This book, okay. Like, it's a really great book, but man, does it fudge with your brain.